Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. As treatment advances, more women are surviving longer after a diagnosis of breast cancer. This is Colleen Chaddix for the Yale Office of Public Affairs talking with Dr. Tish Knopf, a professor of nursing at Yale. Dr. Knopf has devoted her career not only to helping women survive, but to devising new ways to make their post-cancer years healthy and fulfilling ones. Apart from the risk of recurrence, what kinds of health challenges do breast cancer survivors find themselves facing? Initially following treatment, uh, many women experience persistent physical symptoms such as fatigue, menopausal symptoms, weight gain, muscle aches with some of the um, adjuvant treatments, and obvious psychological um, distress, worry about recurrence, uncertainty. Um, but nationally, we are becoming more concerned as we have long-term survivors about what is called long-term or late effects, mm -hmm. such as bone loss associated with treatment and risks of chronic illness, for instance, uh, associated with weight gain, such as diabetes or hypertension. So given all this, is some kind of long-term follow-up treatment really standard for breast cancer survivors? I think breast cancer survivors all have follow-up treatment. Currently, the Institute of Medicine is recommending um, summaries of treatments at the end and a more structured follow-up. Um, what is somewhat lacking in our healthcare system is a structured um, transition survivorship program um, and health promotion. Uh, we do have some survivorship clinics, such as the one at Yale, mm -hmm. um, but um, it is not universal that all breast cancer patients, when they finish treatment, have, have a structured program to help them transition. And follow-up treatment generally, unless you're in one of these special programs, would focus more on detecting an early recurrence as opposed to worrying about keeping your weight under control so you're not at risk for heart disease and that sort right. of thing. Right. Absolutely. You did a pilot study on survivors and exercise. Tell us a bit about what you learned there. Well, we learned that it's definitely feasible. Women want it. They want to come. Um, we uh, matched uh, fitness centers uh, with where the women um, lived, so I think that that helped. We had almost a 90% adherence rate. We had a uh, four-month funded study, which we extended to six months. Um, it was supervised at a fitness center three um, days a week, um, and the women maintained their weight. There was no change in their bone, which was a very good thing. Mm -hmm. um, and there were significant psychological benefits. Women felt better. They had less depression. Um, they felt more resilient. They felt they were doing something to keep themselves healthy. 90% adherence. You just don't hear that in exercise programs ever. Why do you think that was? I think that there was an inherent um, unmet social support need that the women, um, because it was a supervised intervention, the women came in um, across a two-hour block so that the women got to know one another. And I think that that's, in all of the exercise field, I think um, that's a strong motivator to have a buddy system or a partner. And if you know somebody's waiting for you at the gym, you might be a little more motivated. So I think it was the group um, support effect. Mm -hmm. And now the National Institutes of Health is funding a much larger study on that model. Can you tell us what these women are going to be doing? Yes, this is a very exciting study. We will um, be looking again at some of those late effects that we're concerned about. So um, bone mass um, to reduce the risk of developing osteoporosis, body composition, 
um, uh, a gain of central fat is a risk factor for diabetes and heart disease. We'll also be looking at, at what we call metabolic risk factors, such as um, heart disease factors, lipids, cholesterol, and also insulin, and then also functional ability, cardiovascular fitness, and muscle strength. So we'll be randomizing women to um, either an aerobic resistance intervention at a fitness center or to a health promotion control. And the health promotion group basically will get instruction on the national recommendations of 30 minutes of physical activity on most days of the week, which is the adult recommendation. Mm -hmm. um, and um, the other group will um, have six months of supervised exercise and six months of non-supervised exercise. So we are trying to look at will the addition of resistance exercise influence these potential long-term or late effects of treatment and reduce risk of chronic illness. And resistance exercise is associated with building up bone density, right? Um, the reason why we chose 12 months is that because you need a long duration of resistance exercise to impact the bone. Um, you can build muscle strength in a shorter period of time. Mm -hmm. But um, yes, that's the reason. That's a major reason for the resistance component. So obviously, a long-term supervised exercise program like this isn't cheap. But if you demonstrated that you were decreasing the risk for heart disease or diabetes, would that be a compelling argument to make this or something very much like it widely available? I think it would be. You would probably need um, confirming research. Uh, one study usually doesn't um, uh, translate into a, a wide dissemination mm -hmm. to the public. But we already have a very large body of exercise. There was just a recent um, entire journal issue dedicated to exercise and cancer. And there are emerging studies looking at resistance. So the more evidence we accumulate from multiple studies, the more we could translate this into a recommendations for people in practice. And to some extent, this is a, a new issue for healthcare to deal with, the, the number of long-term cancer survivors that we're seeing now, what that's going to mean down the road. Absolutely. There are more than 10 million cancer survivors. Um, breast cancer makes up the largest population, 22%. Um, but yes, patients are living much longer. And so we not only want to decrease the risk of cancer recurrence, um, which there is evidence now suggesting that physical activity um, and healthy diet can also reduce cancer recurrence, but also we want to reduce the risk of any chronic illness um, so that survivors have a long um, life. Is it difficult to get women to shift focus from being totally concerned about the cancer to thinking, oh, I have to be worried about controlling my weight for all these other chronic diseases that may not have entered my mind before? I think women with breast cancer and probably all cancer survivors have a strong sense of vulnerability and uncertainty. And I think if we um, promote healthy lifestyle behaviors, it is something that they can do for themselves that helps reduce the uncertainty um, and also makes them feel physically better mm -hmm. and also psychologically stronger. You're also doing a study specifically looking at women of color and exercise. Are there racial differences in the issues that survivors live with? Um, I've done research um, primarily with um, African-American breast cancer survivors, and there are differences. There's a higher mortality rate um, for African-American breast cancer survivors, and um, 
we used to think that it was uh, socioeconomically driven. Um, those factors do impact it, but we now know that there are also some unique biologic factors. Um, the interest I have in African-American breast cancer survivors is to look at how culturally sensitive our care is. Mm -hmm. But also when you consider chronic illness, and the reason why I'm doing um, this particular project is that they have a higher um, rate of sedentary behavior. Um, there's um, more obesity among African-American women. Um, and so we are trying to implement a community-based physical activity and healthy eating um, program um, for women that um, incorporates the concept of sisterhood mm -hmm. um, so that they would be doing it with a sister who could, in fact, be a sister or a friend or another breast cancer survivor. Um, but again, it's that buddy system of support um, to hopefully um, get them to incorporate physical activity in their everyday life. And is it difficult for women of color to find a peer group the way white women can very easily at any hospital find a support group that's full of other white women? It is challenging. We've had a project for the last three years called Connecting Sisters to try and address this because even though the mortality is higher for African-American breast cancer survivors, um, overall um, the incidence um, is lower. And so um, um, for about every eight white women diagnosed, you may have one or two black women. Mm -hmm. So, um, But we have now identified multiple peer support groups uh, led by African-American women um, uh, within the uh, greater New Haven area. So we have many more resources now identified for these women. In general, what kind of reaction do you get from survivors when you approach them about this kind of survivorship work you're doing? I think it's overwhelmingly positive. Um, I think that, uh, and I, I, you could say that across the board, for most supportive care research. I think our healthcare system is really predominantly um, dedicated to the treatment of disease, and um, cancer patients and cancer survivors have significant information and support needs, and so much of this research is very attractive to cancer patients and survivors because it's, it's um, filling a void in, in um, the kind of care we provide. And you've talked a bit about um, the sort of dramatic fall off in care that a woman experiences when she finishes treatment, which you would think would be a wonderful, happy time and a time of relief, but not necessarily so. It's not necessarily so. It's the end of treatment is filled with many mixed emotions. Uh, many women report that they feel abandoned, isolated. What happens is, is that you are very well supported during your cancer treatment, friends, family, but particularly healthcare providers. And in particular for breast cancer women, you really are talking about four or six months of you know, going to the nurse and the oncologist fairly often, and that is a very supportive relationship. Also, women report that while they're on treatment, they feel like they're doing something to keep the cancer away. So once treatment is over, um, there is a real surge of uncertainty and vulnerability and fear of recurrence. Um, and also, Routine follow-up is every three months. So you finish your treatment, and your oncologist typically says, I'll see you in three months. Mm -hmm. And um, that's where I think we can begin to, to um, implement some interdisciplinary supportive care programs to help cancer survivors transition from the end of treatment through the next six months, which are, I think is the most psychologically um, distressful.
So if instead of just seeing somebody every three months, you're going to the gym three or four times a week. That's right. a major right. change. Right. And so that there's some built-in support to help um, get back to, you never get back to a normal, survivors say, but to re-enter life um, in, a, in a transition way that's going to be very positive. Thank you. We've been talking with Dr. Tish Knopf, American Cancer Society Professor of Oncology Nursing at Yale, about her work to help breast cancer survivors lead healthier lives.